WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off, Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, over the age of 18. If you are under the age of 18 and you do not know me personally, go away. And even if you do know me personally and you're under the age of 18, actually that sounds really bad. Um, yeah, no, just just leave this podcast alone. This is the State of Wrestling Address. This is the WrestlePlug YouTube channel that you are watching or possibly listening to. You wouldn't be listening to a YouTube channel. You've been listening to the podcast. This is a terrible intro. But you are listening to the WrestlePlug podcast, the State of Wrestling Address, where every week we cover the news. We've moved things around a little bit now, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to hear our views on WWE Raw, AEW Dynamite, WWE NXT, whatever weekly wrestling show itself then you're going to have to check out the YouTube channel for that. We will continue to create audio podcasts for pay-per-view reviews and, you know, big-time shows. But as pertains to weekly content, you have to check out the YouTube channel. This is strictly about wrestling news. So if you're not interested in hearing us rant about the news, go away. Um, <laughs> simple as, really. Let's start off with something rather sad, actually. The passing of the legendary uh, Bob Ryder. I saw a lot of wrestling fans on social media talking about how Bob Ryder, not really too aware of him. That's understandable. That's fair. I'm not going to bag on people. Um, but he did pass away, unfortunately, due to a lengthy battle with cancer. Uh, Bob Ryder, a lot of people may not realize he's actually one of the main reasons why internet wrestling is such a big thing and was also highly instrumental in the growth and the founding notions of Impact Wrestling. Uh, Impact Executive Vice President Scott Demore and Anthem Sports and Entertainment's President and Executive Vice President Ed Nordholm uh, issued a statement uh, on Ryder's passing on November the 24th. Uh, it was also noted that he just turned 64, uh, which is, you know, I mean, what do you say about it, really? There's not really anything you can say about that. Um, due to the uh, statement, though, or at least going towards the statement, everyone at Impact Wrestling is heartbroken by the passing of Bob Ryder, one of its founders, and in many ways the heart and soul of the promotion. As many fans know, the very idea to create this company was born on Bob's fishing boat uh, during a trip off the Gulf Coast in 2001. It is no exaggeration to state Impact Wrestling would never have existed without Bob's inspiration and would not have gone on to entertain millions of fans over two decades without his passion and dedication behind the curtain. Anyone who remembers Bob on the 1990s Prodigy Chats or his role in launching OneWrestling.com or him co-hosting WCW Live... <laughs> Uh, knows people, very few people love pro wrestling with the passion that Bob did. Uh, at Impact, we joke that the chair and desk at Bob's house was Impact's mobile command center. Every wrestler and staff member knew that if they didn't have a place to stay, if they'd missed their flights, if their car had broken down, they could call the command center, Bob's phone, and he would take care of it. 
Bob prided himself on that and being available 24-7 even during his annual Christmas cruises. He carried his cell phone and laptop everywhere, so he was available to help even from the middle of the ocean. Few people love professional wrestling with a passion that Bob did. Wrestling was his life. Since learning the news, we've spoken to dozens of his friends across the business, and they have all said the same thing, that they'd spoken with Bob just a few days ago. The last time we saw Bob face-to-face was a month ago during Bound for Glory Week in Nashville. Uh, Because of the pandemic, Bob was unable to attend the event, but the three of us were able to celebrate his 64th birthday together at a small dinner. Bob talked nonstop about the upcoming matches, how excited he was about the talent and the future of Impact. He also spoke, because he seldom didn't, about his beloved LSU, which is a Louisiana State University athletics, uh, particularly football and basketball. Uh, Bob Ryder, tragically, uh, has left us at the age of 65 due to cancer. Um, Just briefly, I just wanted to sort of pay my condolences really mention it in passing and also the fact that every wrestling fan that enjoys impact wrestling um owes a great deal of gratitude towards bob Ryder actually for everything he did and i remember his name being mentioned very fleetingly uh when the company first sort of came into fruition around 2002 under the Jarrett. and he was almost kind of forgotten from that point on but if you actually have watched impact long term back when it was TNA as well, you would remember his name being mentioned here and there on broadcast. Uh, One thing that was obviously wonderful about Bob was the fact that he didn't need any credit. He didn't need to be front and center. You know, a lot of egos have torn through this company and either made it fantastic or difficult, depending on which angle you're looking at and which time frame you're looking at. Bob Ryder was such a constant and never really asked for anything. Uh, He was always happy to just put in. And ultimately, if you think about wrestling and its legacy... And we, you know, we obviously said farewell to The Undertaker this week as he retired. Uh, One of the things I said about him, which stands true very much so about Bob Ryder as well, is the fact that when it comes down to it, uh, he was happy to put more in. And if you really want to be a success in this business, you really want to be remembered as an all-time legend or somebody who truly made a special impact on this business, you have to put more in than you take out. And there aren't actually many individuals left who are willing to just put into wrestling and not really take much back. Bob Ryder was one of those people. And unfortunately, he is no longer with us at the age of 64. However, the legacy of impact will hopefully endure. It certainly seems to be on the up right now. We love it, obviously, and we cover it for the YouTube channel. Channel, and we at WrestlePlug would like to offer our condolences to all of Bob's friends and his immediate family. Yeah, 64 is, I mean, it, it's a full life, but it's still too young. Yeah. I mean, like, and like you say, he contributed so much to the wrestling business as a whole, not just Impact, but it is, you know, his brainchild. Born on a fucking fishing boat, probably over a few beers in the Gulf. Like, is there anything more wrestling than that? No, that that's. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, cancer is a bastard. It's, you know, it's going <laughs> to, until we find a cure, it's going to kill people every day. And this is just another unfortunate happenstance. But, you know, we send our condolences and thoughts to his friends and family. And I think the best thing we can do is continue covering impact with the vigor that we have been because it deserves that and he deserves that. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for everything, Mr. Ryder. You are. Most certainly one of the big reasons why I still enjoy wrestling to this day in my mid-30s. So thank you very much. May you rest very much in power.
Uh, moving on, as you can never really transition from news like that uh, with any kind of grace. Uh, Fit Finley has returned to work in WWE. Finley is back to work with the company as a producer. According to PWI, or PW Insider, should I say, uh, he was one of the several producers that were furloughed from the company in April. We did mention uh, quite a few state wrestling addresses back that there was most likely an opportunity for a lot of these people to return, Finley being one of them. He'll be back. Uh, he apparently reportedly returned to work for WWE in the last week or so, so he is currently the uh well he was working actually at nxt's tv tapings at the capital wrestling center in orlando so finley back in the fold which obviously is good news absolutely i mean uh i know he was involved heavily with producing a lot of the women's matches back when you know the women's revolution was becoming a thing and then you know all the women just i think they've all just said how much they love him like he's done incredible things for them he got the biggest pop of his career when he let Becky Lynch into the Royal Rumble so she would win the Rumble. That was fantastic. He's just like, nah, go for it. I love Finley. I remember watching him and uh, or like WCW, like going back and watching it, seeing him pop up on SmackDown in like 2006-ish, I think. I thought he was just this really cool guy with the shillelagh. Uh, we can ignore the Hornswoggle stuff because that wasn't great. But Finley back is, it's only a plus for the company right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not much else to add, to be honest. Really pleased. Like you say, uh, Finley's a legend. And when I was a kid growing up, Finley was one of the toughest, and still is, to be honest, one of the toughest bastards in the world. Uh, you know, if I had to pick a Survivor Series team of my own for a legitimate fight, Finley would be straight in there, along with Haku, frankly. Uh, the things he can do with a shillelagh. My lord. My lord, indeed. Uh, by the way, as a quick uh, note in passing, uh, Wrestling with the Finleys, I believe it's called, is a YouTube-available documentary and it's actually really well done it's not although it's not officially wwe it has a lot of content in there from wwe wcw a lot of the growth of how finley got into the business of course being from belfast northern ireland uh, how his family was so influential in that wrestling scene and also working alongside a lot of the welsh independent wrestling scene as well and if you're an aficionado of independent wrestling at all or you're passionate about where finley came from or you just want to be you know if you're one of these people like me who likes to just absorb wrestling and the history of wrestling this is truly a warts and all documentary really worth a watch checking out it's about an hour long on youtube we'll try and link it up hopefully actually if you're listening to this if you're watching the video right now i can put a little card in there so you can click the link and watch it for yourself absolutely worth your time i thoroughly recommend it uh i don't know if you saw this bruce pritchard uh, spoke recently about eddie guerrero because obviously 13th of november which was a couple of weeks ago uh, marked his passing from wwe it's 15 years since we've lost uh, jesus I know, it's crazy. <laughs> um, he uh, actually mentioned, this is an excerpt from it. He was talking about the very, uh, the initial run Eddie Guerrero had before, of course, you know, he sadly went off the rails the first time around. And a lot of people may remember that Eddie Guerrero's release from the company before triumphantly returning. And of course, having that incredible moment at No Way Out and everything else that went with that in 2004 and eventually overcoming everything to become one of the most liked WWE champions in existence, frankly. Um, but I just thought it was worth quickly uh, touching upon. He spoke briefly about uh, Guerrero pushing towards the main event right before he was released. While Guerrero won world titles and had show stealing WrestleMania matches in WWE, his first run with the company left a lot to be desired. In November 2001, Guerrero was arrested for drunk driving and was released by WWE three days afterwards. Uh, there's always been rumblings of Guerrero being scheduled for a big match against Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
at King of the Ring 2002. This is, uh, unfortunately, what also kind of led to Austin, uh, you know, copping the needle as well, because <laughs> obviously he would have been scheduled to face Eddie Guerrero. A lot of people might remember that Austin pretty much uh, walked from the company after WrestleMania. Um wrestled Scott Hall at WrestleMania. Uh, they didn't really know what they were doing with him. And actually, the King of the Ring qualifier was going to be him versus Brock Lesnar on Raw, which is insane when you think about it. Imagine a matchup of that level and that magnitude. I'm not saying that Austin was correct in what he did. And Austin has spoken frequently, actually, about the fact that uh, it was one of the worst decisions he ever made. But ultimately, I actually do agree that, frankly, the, the fact that that match had no build and was just scheduled to be on Raw is very disappointing. And I imagine this was one of the repercussions from this scenario. But um, it actually says here, any potential plans were scrapped after Guerrero got his pink slip. Uh, Pritchard revealed the segments between Austin and Guerrero likely would have led to some sort of in-ring payoff, but the nature of those segments were a lot for Guerrero to handle personally. This kind of gives you an insight into WWE's issues. Uh, well, they did do stuff on TV leading up to it, Pritchard said. Uh, we did the horrible barroom karaoke thing where Steve Austin sang and Eddie was there to heckle. That was a hell of an ordeal because Eddie's addiction, because of Eddie's addictions and everything, Eddie was uncomfortable being in the bar. Oh, shit. Uh, it was, look, Eddie, if you're either, you're either a performer or you're not, he got over it pretty quickly. I don't think that speaks well to Bruce Pritchard, frankly. And I think he needs to have a word of himself looking back at this. He said, I think we did it in Nashville. It was probably some of the worst TV that I ever did because I don't think Steve was really into it. I don't think Vince was really into it. And Eddie was a little apprehensive. Again, no dehoy. Uh, so it was an idea that Steve had that was only half thought out. And it was a situation where Vince really wanted to do it because Steve really wanted to do it. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done it because it just did not work. Um what do you think about that? <laughs> you know, Bruce I mean, Pritchard essentially admitting that, yeah, we kind of knew that Eddie Guerrero was going off the rails a bit, but we stuffed him in a bar anyway, because apparently you're a professional. I mean, I think Eddie's uh, addiction issues are very well documented. Yeah. Um, you know, like, that's <laughs> that's just like WWE mentality back then. They're like, you know, they made storylines out of, you know, World Warrior Hawk, like his alcoholism. They made storylines of shit out of This wasn't above WWE in the early 2000s. I, under, I know Attitude Era, edgier shit. Wow, go. But like Eddie was having re a really hard time. You're like, we're going to stick him in a bar. That'll be fun. Good job, Pritchard, you fucking twat. But and in the end, you know, Eddie, he went on the independence for a while. I'm pretty sure he wrestled C like a up-and-coming CM Punk at like a Ring of Honor show at some point. IWA, yeah, IWA Mid-South, uh, yeah. actually. Yeah, I mean, they wrestled. I mean, um, that's I fucking was, cool. I think it was called uh, Long Hot Summer. Uh, I actually, if you check out our Facebook page, you might have to do some scrolling, but the full match is actually available there. There's a triple threat between CM Punk, Rey Mysterio, and um, Eddie Guerrero from IWA Mid-South. Not bad, not bad at all. <laughs> so, yeah, no. check, check that out. So, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, I th and it doesn't really matter because, you know, like that shit at the top, but he came back, you know, or mm -hmm. late 2002, early 2003, you know, the SmackDown 6, the run with Chavo, eventually leading up to that huge title win at No Way Out, which is the first time wrestling ever made me cry. I was so fucking happy. I was like 13 years old. I was a mark. I didn't know. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the second time was, you know, after he passed. That destroyed me because he was such a legend. He was such a character. He was such a performer. Definitely one of a kind. But fuck you, Bruce Pritchard. You're a son of a bitch, and I don't like you.
I, I, you know, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Bruce Pritchard. No denying Bruce Pritchard's level of input and expertise in wrestling. No question. I'd never question that. But, you know, I, okay. Uh, the only reason I brought it up is because I feel like people have buried the lead a little bit on that. And the fact that they, you know, I know that ultimately the buck drops with Vince McMahon. Okay. And ultimately it is Vince McMahon's decision. So of course he should cop the most abuse, but you know, Bruce Pritchard just kind of casually mentioning it as if to say, Oh yeah, whatever. It's okay. Now, now that he's passed on and we're all these years removed, I don't think that's okay. And I don't think it's okay when you must've don't tell me that you didn't know. You must have at least some inkling that Eddie Guerrero is struggling, if not a full blown obvious nature of what was happening. But I thought it was uh, worth mentioning. It was also quite interesting the fact that we could have had Eddie Guerrero versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a prominent feud, even though it sounds to me like Austin had kind of shit the bed with the idea. I mean, Austin wanted to be in a bar. That's not really a surprise. <laughs> you know, the man knows his way around a few IPAs, let's just say that. Uh, I do even really like IPAs. I've tried a few IPAs. Not a big fan. Not my beer. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a spirits man as I get older. Yeah. When I was when I was back in my hooligan days and everything, I used to down shitloads of Cronenberg and get around it. But I just don't... I, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing it's okay to just like things for flavor and not just drink things because all the boys do. Um, so, yeah. In a, welcome to the Alcoholica with WrestlePlug, which I'm actually <laughs> currently drinking some uh, passion fruit and mango tiki rum. So it's whatever, you know, drink what you like. You know, if I can say to anyone who's young enough, like I know that there are some certainly some impressionable wrestlers that watch this channel, a.k.a. Aaron Cruz and Cameron Anderson. Drink what you like. Do not be peer pressured into drinking something just because the rest of the boys are drinking. And by the way, you're not cool or clever being able to drink more beer than anyone else. Trust me. I know. Being down that route, it's not very clever. But, um, but we both know Cam's a fuckboy. He's just going to do what he wants anyway. He is. He's we love you, buddy. We love you, but you're a oh. bit of a fuckboy, and he knows it. Fucking adore that it. kid. I adore that kid. You know, he's like a little brother to me, as is as is Mr. Cruz. Uh, although, obviously, Cameron is my first choice of tag team partner now because Cruz, you know, bailed on me to tag with Ethan Lee, who is another twink. So, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's, I'm not bitter at all. Um, <laughs> I've got something that will really wind you up, sir. Have you heard about the discussions for what they might be doing at TLC? <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out Kyle is a huge, and I mean huge, fan of Braun Strowman. Um, but how did as... you know? <laughs> hey, uh, WWE announced that Braun Strowman had been suspended indefinitely because of the storyline incident that happened with Adam Pearce. We covered that on WWE Raw. So go back and watch it. It's good. I promise. It's okay. <laughs> it um, goes from good to okay. That's not great. It's it's great. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh... <laughs> it's just watch it for god's sake Look, do, do you know what just put it on in the background put it on mute if you don't like us and give us some extra viewing time <laughs> shouldn't really admit that on whatever i don't care uh so basically this article right here has some more insight into possibly why braun Strowman uh was suspended apparently he possibly suffered a knee injury this hasn't been confirmed although wrestling observer radio and the great famous tuna Meltzer apparently had his say oh, here fucking um yeah, possible knee injury during the Raw versus SmackDown elimination match at Survivor Series. Um, Meltzer noted that the tournament to determine McIntyre's opponent in a TLC was a last-minute idea because Strowman was otherwise going to get the title shot at the next pay-per-view, which is on December the 2nd. Uh, word going around is he's injured, and that's why WWE did a headbutt and suspension angle, said Meltzer. Meltzer said even if the suspension is not to cover up the injury, it is likely that Strowman versus McIntyre is still the plan for TLC. <laughs> 
However, WWE does have a backup plan in place if Strowman's injury should keep him out for longer than expected. It was noted that there is also the possibility that suspension is just a storyline to build up heat for Strowman as a heel and he's getting the match against McIntyre either way. Uh, if Strowman is indeed injured, the winner of next week's triple threat match, of course, that we know between AJ Styles, Riddle and Keith Lee will qualify to face McIntyre at TLC. Um, go on, mate. Have at it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? I don't care. He's get... I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to say it a hundred more. He's boring, man. Braun Strowman hasn't been fun since his rivalry with Roman Reigns, and that was almost four years ago. That was almost four years ago. Think about it. Like 2017. Jesus fucking Christ, it's been three years. Where does time go? I'm lost. I'm scared. And now I'm angry because I have to watch Braun Strowman in a world title feud. It's going to be a big meaty hoss fight if this is what's happening. It's going to be some big meaty hosses. I know that's getting you going, and that's fine. But you know who else? You know who else is a big meaty hoss? Keith Lee. And you know who's a much better wrestler, character, and literally everything than Braun Strowman? It's Mr. Keith Lee. I'm not sure. I think Braun Strowman might be slightly better technically. I think you should, uh, I don't know, pour that rum in an open wound. I'll get no, an open this... wound first, and then we <laughs> shall certainly continue. The ironic thing being that that will get more views on YouTube. <laughs> this is, it's unreal. Like, Braun Strowman getting suspended. This doesn't put heat on him. People are just, I assume most people are like me, and if they're not, they're wrong. They're like, oh, Braun's gone. Wow. I don't care if he's here or there. It's just, this is almost, it's, I give Braun Strowman go away heat. This is like X Pac heat. I don't want him on my screen. Oh, but X Pac was just, actually good. I, I know. That, I don't understand. It's why. a story for another day, but X Pac, right? Go back and watch his stuff, especially in the mid to late noise. He was good. He was a really good in ring worker. And also, check him out on uh, the kayfabe commentaries when he just shoots on everybody. It's he's hilariously good fun, actually. When he talks about how he wants to bang Stacey Kiefer in every possible scenario, it's, it's just hilarious. He's he's a very funny man, actually. He's very entertaining. I, I kind of stick up for X Pac a little bit now because he's yeah, he's he's kind of cool. But I, I see what you mean, like. The thing is, we've done it before a few times now. Um, for me, Braun Strowman should have been kept away from any kind of main event run or title run for a couple of years after Roman Reigns made a complete mockery of him, which I'm sure you enjoyed on SmackDown a few weeks ago. Um, he just kind of beat him up like a little bitch, you know, low blowed him, battered him with a chair and sent him packing on his last match on SmackDown, which was a Universal Championship match, which, by the way, was a terribly booked match, despite the fact that Roman Reigns is amazing right now. And you know what? I I don't care. I'm, I'm the same as you. You know, I, I have no doubt that him and McIntyre will kick seven shades of shit out of each other. And I enjoy that. Why can't you just have a collision on Raw. Just have a throwaway match on Raw and then leave TLC, a pay-per-view format, for a bigger start or elevating a star. Braun Strowman, you know what's happening here. Vince is looking at him. Oh, he's huge. Put him back in <laughs> Vince has got a chubby for him. And of course he has. And especially now that he wrestles with his top, he's like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> he's just losing his mind. Have you noticed this? Roman Reigns is all of a sudden topless. Braun Strowman's all of a sudden topless. Like Vince is getting so homoerotic at this point. Look at those. Look at the striations. <laughs> he's losing his mind. <laughs> he is. And this is how it'll be. 
I really hope they honor that triple threat match and they don't just have, and Jack Spence will probably be watching this. Shout out to you, Jack. Thank you for supporting this, mate. Uh, Kyle's probably going to turn on you pretty quickly, however, because it's you I saw in the comments who apparently, he's obviously reading the dirt sheets a lot, which is fine. Fans do it. We don't personally. We're, we're pretty much marks. I literally only read them for rumors and stuff so we can cover the news. I'm not interested in spoilers. And I actually do like being a mark and enjoying wrestling for what it is. Uh, and I like to suspend my disbelief because life's hard enough. <laughs> and... Yeah, for me, um, yeah, you turn on him, Carl, because he's the one who was in the comments saying, yeah, yeah, Braun Strowman's going to come back on Raw this week and beat him up, cost the triple threat. Uh, he's going to ruin the triple threat, apparently, and then take all of their places. So I'm kind of, thanks to Jack and the uh, and the dirt sheets, I'm now terrified that Braun Strowman's going to ruin my dream triple threat next week and ruin Raw for me. <laughs> so we shall see. But yeah, any closing uh, notions on that, mate? Or do you just want to? You know, spend this time telling Braun Strowman to fuck off as per usual. I mean, I just, I can't stress how much I don't want it. Like, if it makes the, you feel any better. He doesn't wear a mask when he goes to events with COVID around. Yeah, I mean, I, and the fucking, when Evil Uno was like, hey, shit's going on right now. Why don't you buy some independent merch? And Braun Strowman was like, if you can't afford to live, maybe you should find a different profession. Fuck you, man. Like, these people bust their ass for years to maybe get what you got in a in a single year people don't start in ww like that you got there because you're six eight four hundred pounds of dumb and these guys had to grind and work their craft to get like a fifth of of the recognition like fuck off mate that's just that was i know that was a few months ago but that was it's ignorant and ignorance is something i don't tolerate i don't care if the guy could brush me like a fucking twig i'll die on that hill Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's switch gears to full gear. Let's <laughs> have uh, <laughs> a little bit of AEW chat because I still haven't covered Dynamite yet as uh, as we are currently recording this. And I'm sure AEW fans are going to be like, you hate AEW. That's the only thing you didn't cover this week. I just I just haven't got, to, got around to watching it yet. There's a lot of wrestling. Cut me some slack. Um, <laughs> Jericho had plenty to say. Uh, speaking on keeping it 100 with Conan, which, by the way, I highly recommend people check out because Conan is he's just a certified gangster whether you like him or hate him he certainly is and by the way it was lovely to see him pop out uh make a little appearance on dynamite a couple of weeks ago when the boys went to las vegas that was that was good fun actually uh by the way my favorite part of that was uh jake hager and wardlow trading uh beating up randoms in the bar <laughs> trying to <laughs> impress each other through power <laughs> i just thought that was really funny um i like that i like those two i i i i put them as a tag team i'd like to see them when the tag titles give me that um anyway jericho keeping it on 100 uh praised his current run with AEW. Uh, chris jericho praised his current run with AEW because who would praise chris jericho more than chris jericho but recognize the promotion is still experiencing minor growing pains i thought this was interesting you might want to hear this uh, everything isn't always good jericho said we have a lot of details slip through the cracks phrasing uh we still have quite a few times when very similar angles happen right after one another example of that was a few weeks ago where the big question was will mjf join the inner circle we had this big long thing about whether or not MJF was going to join. I think it was a town hall. That's where Bischoff was, was there asking questions. Uh, people might remember this dynamite recently. Bischoff, by the way, is still really good money on TV. Uh, and as soon as we were done, we went to like a package where Taz was asking Will Hobbs if he's going to join Taz's team. <laughs> 
continuity. Uh, and I went to the production team and I was like, guys, how can that happen? How can that even be? Like, it's the exact same thing and nobody even noticed that. Maybe we should move that package somewhere else in the future. Let's not use, let's not use to word join, the word join, I assume you mean, uh, for Will and Taz, a part of our team. What? This is horrible English. Oh, instead, are you going to come with us? Are you going to work with us? Are you going to be a part of our team? Um, so basically, he was trying to remove the similar wording, I think, in the other segments. Will MJF join the Inner Circle was the tagline for our pay-per-view match. Therefore, any other joinings should be suspended for this duration, which gives you an idea of actually how smart Jericho is and how his brain is always thinking about the next thing. Me, personally, I probably wouldn't have noticed that, so credit to him. Um I'd like to see a little bit more attention to those kind of details, he said. Uh, Tony Khan and company have emphasized that AEW is very much unscripted, and they've held true to that promise. We don't have writers, and we're very proud of that, Jericho said. That shows. <laughs> I think that we we could use an organizer. I agree with that, and he suggested possibly... Uh, I think he made some obnoxious comments to Jim Cornette, saying that if Jim Cornette shut his mouth and stopped slagging him off, he could come on and work as an organizer. <laughs> um, plenty more to be said about that on a separate podcast speaking on how shows come together Y2J says Tony has the bulk of the work that shows too but a certain AEW star is also integral to that process QT Marshall takes all of the ideas for the week and he kind of formats them all Jericho said Tony will say it's always about the opening core the crossover core and the final core which is very much a TV reference uh, so I think Tony decides where he wants that and QT shakes up the rest and then Tony says oh this is good or we need a package here so it's a weekly kind of collaborative process for sure Jericho is currently deep into a layered storyline with MGF uh, as we know um what do you think about the revelations that QT Marshall actually has quite a heavy say on the, you know, the production of this and also the fact that there are no writers whatsoever. Do you think that that's benefited AEW Dynamite? Um, because obviously people's argument is no doubt going to be, well, look at the state of Raw and SmackDown. They've got way too many writers. And it's like, well, actually, I think that they are putting together much more, you know, continuously excellent shows. I think that the credibility of those shows has risen. So what do you reckon, mate? A lot of uh, moving parts running around in AEW. Yes, I mean, I didn't even know who QT Marshall was until he showed up on Dynamite, and now he's got all this responsibility. I mean, like, good on him. I mean, he's really close with Dustin Rhodes, I guess. Like, I know they're the, what are the the nightmares? Natural nightmares. Yeah, that's it. Hmm. Something like I couldn't fucking remember. I don't hate the product. I do watch it. But, like, I mean, that's cool. Good for him. He's real close with the Rhodes family in general. Fine. But not having any writers, I think, is an issue. Mm. Um, sure, sometimes WWE, ha- yeah, they have too many. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. But at the same time, you still need those people, I think, to help get the point across. You don't have to write them a full script. It doesn't got to be, you know, like an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper this big, a fucking size 10 font, single space. Mm. But you they at least need the bullet points. Like you can't just have people go out there and improvise because some people are just going to be bad. You need to help them succeed. And even just having a few people sit down at a table and go, Hey, we want you, we want you to make sure you say this, this, and this, what you say in between, just make it coherent, make it roll, make it make sense. But yeah, just sending people out there with nothing. It shows some people flounder extremely hard and that's fault on both of them and production they've got to work together to make everything work you know teamwork makes the dream work 
So they need, I think they at least need like something. Having nothing is, I would say, a detriment. Yeah, I mean, uh, for just for full disclosure, for anyone who probably doesn't know me that well personally, I'm actually a writer. Um, you know, I took a writing degree, and I know Steve will be watching this going, it was a shit degree. It absolutely was, but our pride and our passion and our talent, so to speak, is in writing. Anyone who knows me knows I'm all about creativity. And I believe in the process of writing. I don't believe in stifling writing. I think WWE, absolutely, that is the correct argument to say that WWE has very much floundered in their process of writing. And that's because they keep chopping and changing creators. They've got like 55 script writers. It's unnecessary. you know. And actually, if you look back at the Attitude Era, they had one writer for each show, and then they had a couple of people that would work around them to help bring the ideas together. You know, let's cook in the kitchen it's as simple as that there's you know that's why that fucking idiom exists for that exact reason um ultimately i like the process of writing a little bit you don't have to have loads but it, i'm sorry it does kind of show because i do like the uncertainty of dynamite and when dynamite's good a lot of the reasons why is because there is this kind of feeling of you don't know what's going to happen next and that's cool but that can't form the entire basis of a show. I still need structure. I still need continuation. I still need people to understand what they're saying. For it, I'll give you a good example, right? For instance, I don't know. Say, I mean, what's your, what's your favorite series, Kyle Wilkinson? What do you enjoy? Hmm. I mean, oh, right now I'm watching them. The, I mean, yeah, that's that's a really good one. But I mean, right now I'm watching The Mandalorian. I need to watch the new episode that dropped today. It's been a good fantastic. It's a good example. It's really overhead. Um, <laughs> It's been, like, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Don't uh, you ruin this for me. I need to I need to finish the uh, first series first before I have a proper uh, formed critique on The Mandalorian because I've watched all of it yet. So I, I owe it that much. What I've seen so far hasn't excited me that much, but I'm also very excited about the idea of Sasha Banks being in it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so take The Mandalorian, for instance. Uh, it's very popular, irregardless of my controversial opinions. Um, imagine if all the actors turned up and they didn't have a script. And you just said, right, I just want you to kind of go with what you feel. Hey, you're a bounty hunter, right? Yeah, I'm a bounty hunter. Okay, you, you do your thing. Here's a baby. <laughs> like, you, you, it would be shit, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be garbage. And what people forget is, yes, wrestling is not a TV show per se, but it is. It is still TV format. It's for the TV executives. It's for these big networks, whatever you want to call them. <sighs> I'm sorry, you have to have some level of control. You know, I'm an anti-authoritarian, as people know. I'm very anti-conformist as well. I don't believe in authority and conformity and things like that. That being said, some things work for a reason. And there's, you know, swallow your pride a little bit, is all I'm saying. Bring in a couple of writers, and actually, you'll probably find that this is by far and away the most well-balanced wrestling product going, you know? Um, But right now, I don't believe that's the case. And I would not be surprised if this has had a very large helping hand in why, for me, Dynamite doesn't click all the time. Don't get me wrong. There's there's things I love. Obviously, I'm always going to watch a pack match. He could wrestle a broom and I would have an erection because he's that good. In my opinion, he's the best wrestler in the world. And I'm going to watch stuff like that. I like Butcher and the Blade. I think they're woefully underused. I really enjoy it when they're on the product. I love the Lucha Brothers. I love Proud and Powerful. There are great moving parts here. People who are, for my money, bona fide stars who either haven't broken out yet or have, and then they kind of draw them back a bit because they don't really know. You know, (laughs) stop flooding your studios with shitloads of indie talent 
and focus on getting the right people over first, then slowly bring in more. You know, NXT is a really good example of this. And I know Dynamite only really has the one show and then a small little dark show on YouTube. So it's not on WWE's level. And I'm not comparing it to WWE in that regard because that's just unfair. WWE's had, what, a 60-year head start? Um, But at the same time, I want to see a slower trickle of these sort of things. But as far as this story goes... I'm not going to rag on QT Marshall. I actually think he's very likable and everybody I know in the business or people I've read sources from, they all say he's a really awesome human being and good. And it kind of shows, to be honest, he comes across as a really likable, nice guy. Is he a big mainstream star on TV? Not for me. I don't think he should really be on TV that much. And if he is, he should definitely be, you know, kind of in the background and he is for the most part so i'm not going to give him too much grief he's no question he's a great wrestler and he trains a lot of good wrestlers too and that's good but you know little it's not an alarm bell but there are you know i don't know it's like the metal gear solid exclamation point um it just kind of pops up a little bit and i think huh um yeah no fix that (laughs) that's kind of how i feel and also for me tony khan doesn't know wrestling enough and that shows in this product because if he did, he would be able to polish and tweak a lot of things. He's looking at it too much from a TV perspective. Do you know what he feels like? A very rich Dixie Carter. That's kind of what he feels like. And we all remember how that wound up. But We've made that connection before. I think I've said yeah. that. Where like he just seems very Dixie Carter-esque. And, you know, just coming in using daddy's money to, you know, do some wrestling. And, you know, TNT has a great history of wrestling until, you know, about 1999. And we all know how that turned out, don't we? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sticking with AEW, I don't know if you saw this, but John Moxley had plenty to say. So he is part of, uh, he was part of oral sessions with Renee Paquette, who you may recognize as his wife. And by the way, get your minds out of the gutter just because it's called oral sessions. Jeez, I've seen wrestling fans all like, oh my God, shut up. Seriously, just please grow up. It's disgusting. Um, WWE's developmental system, which has evolved from FCW to NXT, as a lot of people will know, develops talent inside and outside the ring. We all know this. This is kind of, you know, part of the course. Um, they don't just work on improving a wrestler's abilities as they also work on improving physiques, promo skills, uh, social skills as well. Uh, John Moxley was someone who admittedly needed that social development to reach the level he's at today. And he talked more about his social encounters he had in WWE on this podcast, which frankly is worth checking out. He said, when the shield first started doing meet and greets, we were in FCW an Island literally of nobodies. Nobody knew who we were. The group I was with, we were from the equivalent of a farm system in wrestling in Florida. We were nobodies. Nobody knew who we were. We were making gas money. Uh, came upon the sit. By the way, for anyone who doesn't understand that, that's petrol. <laughs> just, just before you think that's some weird farting hazing thing. That's not, there's nothing to do with it. Basically, enough money to fuel your car. Um, <laughs> came upon the scene in a matter of months later. Uh, all of a sudden, we're the fucking Backstreet Boys. Said Boxley. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I know. I, that, that's a, I mean, I can see the comparison, but uh, I, I just know. want to I see, don't... like, I just like the idea of Seth Rollins. Like, everybody. <laughs> I just think that would be amazing. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> why, do, why does the Backstreet Boys in that moment sound like Ronan Keating? And there is a joke that about two people will get. Um, we were like a boy band. We were going to malls and chicks are going crazy. What are you? One of the fucking freebirds. Uh, I'm meeting all these people and I didn't know how much how to talk to people Uh, it was very weird to me 
people were like, oh my God, I love you so much. And I'm like, I don't know you. Thank you. <laughs> so Moxley, you know, uh, I didn't know to behave, how to behave in a scenario. Being in WWE kind of helped me learn better social skills. I learned how to talk to people I don't know, especially in these make a wishes. These people are shy. You have to make these good experiences with them. I learned how to be a person in the public eye. It took actual work. It's like a skill to develop. Um, a lot of people know, obviously, he grew up in Cincinnati, had a very rough upbringing, his family didn't have lots of money, and he dropped out of high school to pursue his career in wrestling. Um, he talked with Renee about not really knowing what to do with all the money he made in WWE. When I was doing my taxes in WWE, because you're an independent contractor, and this is where it kind of becomes quite crucial, this development, uh, which is not true. You're a fucking employee. These are his exact words. Uh, so you have to pay your taxes. In the developmental first couple of years, I didn't make that much money. I was able to do them myself on TurboTax, revealed Moxley. It's, um, it's just like a do do your own taxes program like you over here for the most part unless you're completely self-employed you don't do your taxes your company will do them for you which is actually really oh nice. that must be nice over here like <laughs> even in canada like you got to file your own taxes i just love the way you said oh, oh that must be really nice like i'm not bitter at all but i have to do my own fucking taxes well no like i can bring mine to like uh a federal company like uh, h&r block over here like i could take my t4 slip in anything i need to and just give all the papers to them and they'll do it all for me but like my company won't do that. Like I have to go take the time out of my day and do it myself. This will definitely go one of two ways. Either people are going to be like, they're talking about taxes. I'm out. Or all of our older listeners, because we do have quite a few actually. And God bless you. I really appreciate the fact that we have such a wide range of listeners are going to be like, yeah, taxes. Talk about how much I hate the government. (laughs) So, you know, it is what it is. Taxes. Never heard of them. Uh, (laughs) That's not true. Um, He says, uh, when I'd been on WWE for a while and working on a bunch of different states, I started to make more money and taxes became more confusing. So I took up an accountant. Very smart. Uh, I didn't know shit. I only had a bank account for two years. So I find my accountant and financial advisor. I walk into their office and I explain my situation. They asked, what do I want to do with my future? I said, well, I'm finally making some money now. I don't know when this is going to end. This could end tomorrow. So I just want to save as much as humanly possible. So then in five years, if this all goes to shit, I'm good. Turns out, you're, you're good <laughs> um that was my plan when i just started to make a little money in WWE. i was going to hoard it and save it because this could end at any moment that's actually a really fucking smart thing and for anyone watching i know a lot of indie wrestlers watch this you know if you do start making money look after it <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say money is important to living a decent life as you get older you know don't let anyone tell you that you know money doesn't buy happiness but it can certainly help on the path to happiness i can tell you that much <laughs> um Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, he, he said I was going to hoard it. Um, went up and had a really nice long run. Went over five years, but I still have that same mentality. I don't ever want to depend on anyone else for a paycheck if that was the case. Moxie is among the highest paid talents in AEW, but that apparently hasn't changed his mentality about possibly losing it all tomorrow. Renee asked him if he still worries about being poor again. He said, yes, that's why I don't like to spend money, stated Moxley. Even in WWE, when you first walk away with potentially a lot of zeros on it, the fiscal responsibility to your family of, is this irresponsible of what I'm doing? Is it selfish? Yes. So always on my mind is saving, being frugal, and not all of a sudden trying to become something that I'm not. Uh, these are obviously quotations from Rene Paquette's oral sessions, which you can obviously check out wherever you get your uh, podcasts. I, I just thought it was quite interesting. I suppose the line in there that people will hold on to is the fact that John Moxley said that you're not a fucking independent contractor, you're a fucking employee, which I'm sure will trigger somebody in WWE or some WWE mark. But 
I guess, um, you know, kind of for me, I wanted to bring it up because it gave a nice insight into the human being John Moxley is because we only really see one side. We see the guy on the TV. And I just thought it was uh, nice to see him showing so much responsibility. And obviously he will become a father soon as well. And you know what? That's going to stand him in good stead going forward. So, you know, I'd, I'd just like to say, because I do rag on Moxley a bit for not being my champion and stuff like that. But when it comes to actually being a sensible and responsible human being, I have a lot of respect for him. And actually seeing something like that, makes me realize why he's in the position he's in because he's clearly a very intelligent and very down-to-earth human being yeah he he seems like just like a good dude like just like like a good guy like you know bit of a lad. Out with and shit. yeah bit of a geezer and, you know, we talk... and wax lyrical with john Moxley. there you know we mentioned how renee's pregnant and i think they'll they'll be fantastic parents are you I gonna think... miss um roberts by the way announcing his name when he disappears for a while to be a father I mean, a, a little, a little you know. Like your highlight of AW. <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched Dynamite yeah. in a few months, but no. Actually, I reckon he discovered that while he was having a shit. <laughs> he was like going through his oracle because like, I just need to go to the toilet and he's just sitting there on a shit he's like right okay we've got it. so so and then as he's uh, he's like okay so we've got Kenny Omega Young Bucks right yep cool Cutie Marshall okay Dustin Rhodes and we got and we got uh, <laughs> Marksley there we go actually you know what that's not bad. <laughs> That's my idea. That's generally how I think he's come up with it. He's like, yeah, it reminds me of Randy from South Park. He's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like you just, you know, like, I've got that image in my head. Great. Now I'm going to have to draw that. That's, that's, that's how my brain works. But yeah, um, that's I, how I got I, it. I uh, guess yeah. my only huge Any problem, thoughts? I mean, just in general like this, like him just sitting up talking to his wife, that's pretty cool. Like you don't get much yeah. more honest than a husband and wife just shooting the shit for like an hour and a half, however long it was. The only problem I have with Moxley right now, and this is just kind of dynamite related, is I just see people on Twitter just losing their minds saying that Omega and Moxley are the two biggest stars in wrestling right now. And I'm like, uh, no. back the fuck up. Are you, are you not watching any other product? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Kenny Omega in ring is one of the best talents in the world. That is undisputed. Um, but speaking of undisputed, are you not seeing people like Adam Cole? Are you not watching? Just because we, even if you don't like WWE, you can't tell me that guys like Jey Uso and Roman Reigns are not red hot talents. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me Adam Cole isn't red hot talent. Kyle Riley, Pete Dunn. I'm sorry, but there is a lot. And you know, looking over on Impact as well, they've got some really red hot talents as well. Maybe not huge worldwide marquees, and even NJPW with guys like Kota Ibushi and Naito. Like, come on, like you know, stop stop acting as if AEW is the only island that's available. Yeah, that. That pisses me off, but that's not his fault. It's just related to him. But back to the point at hand again. Like I'll probably give it a listen. I love Renee. Like she was on um, the Score over here, which was kind of like uh, like it was a Canadian sports broadcasting thing, and she she would break down Ross. So like Jimmy Corderas was on there for a while. You know, former referee of what like he loves a whinge years. now doesn't he have you seen him like, lately? Oh my yeah. lord, he loves a whinge. He hates AEW, doesn't he? Have you seen his stuff? He's always banging yeah. on about him. Um, Santino Morello was on there for a while, and uh, like oh, that's she's the guy really got slapped around by uh, Jim Cornette, yeah, yeah. But you know what? He <laughs> Santino and Mick Foley's face off in the Rumble with Sako against the Snake was the best thing I've ever seen. The Cobra loved it, 
Fucking loved it. I marked it. Suck a dick. It was great. You suck a dick. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, do you know what, right? Santino was fun and he was very funny. He was very entertaining. I'm sorry, but if you think Santino's highlight is anything other than working with Kozlov and having a tea party and upsetting Sheamus, then you're wrong. Um, that is by far and away one of the funniest things to ever happen in the history of wrestling. And also, I haven't forgiven him for that fucking nonsense with the Cobra and Great Carly on SmackDown that time when he somehow was able to snake charm the Cobra. <laughs> That is, uh, that is unbelievably fucking disgraceful and also offensive to my people. Fuck you. Um, it's just such a fucking trope in every sense. But yeah. Um, no, I mean, his opinions, to be fair, do still stand, though. So yeah, man. Um, anything else to add on that? No, just uh, again, it's cool to I'm see him. Renee <laughs> AKA it, Renee it's just cool to see how down to hurt down to earth moxley actually is and how you know making all that money wwe being a wwe champion being the face of the company that didn't change who he was and it hasn't changed now i think that's just a testament to his character and i'm really i'm really proud of him for that if that makes any sense yeah uh switching gears to something um that's good news actually i and it involves james ellsworth astonishingly (laughs) Who's not a good person? Um, I just don't like him. And as you know, we have great history of James Ellsworth on this podcast. Um, I always wondered why he reminded me of Gilberg. They're very similar people. Turns out, apparently, they're best friends. No idea. Um, former WWE light heavyweight champion Gilberg, real name Dwayne Gill, of course. Very famous, actually, as a jobber years before in WWE, before they came up with a Gilberg idea. He was always there to do dumb shit. Uh, he's been released from ICU after suffering a heart attack on Wednesday, according to former WWE SmackDown star James Ellsworth. Ellsworth took to Twitter on Thursday to provide an update on his good friend's health. Uh, hey, everyone, happy Thanksgiving. I just got off the phone with the wife of Dwayne Gill, also known as Gilberg, said Ellsworth. She wanted to let everyone know what's going on with Dwayne. He had a heart attack yesterday, but he is doing good now and just got out of ICU. Uh, Ellsworth said Gilberg is expecting to be back home soon and start transitioning into getting back to normal. Uh, Please send your prayers to Gilberg and his family at this time. We hope he will be home soon and back to his normal, funny, goofy self. Uh, Take care, guys, and God bless you all. Stay safe, added Ellsworth. Um, Like I said, Gilberg, you know... uh, (laughs) Okay, he was a funny jobber and whatever, but ultimately, you know, he still provided a lot of entertainment, particularly for us Attitude Era kids. I remember him and just thinking, ha, ah, Goldberg pissed day. I, I thought it was funny. Um, you know, it was just classic WWE being a bit petty, but at this point, WWE were very much turning the corner and becoming the stronger of the two entities anyway in the Monday Night Wars. So, nonetheless, very good news that uh, Mr. Gill seems to be uh, on the up and up. I mean, he is, as far as I can remember, still the record holder for longest reign as light heavyweight champion. Um, I remember one defense against uh, Tiger Ali Singh in particular. It was just ridiculous. Does anyone remember that character? Fuck, you don't hear about him much anymore. But uh, well, I don't remember what event it was. I just remember having the DVD at home. DVD? It was probably a cassette tape. Do you kids know what cassette tapes are? A VCR? <laughs> Uh, this is going to be dead they're going to be obsolete soon (laughs) oh yeah but like he he was a funny character like coming through the pyro like ricky like falling over like rolling he's like i'm on fire you're not on fire ricky bobby but it was just he was a fun character (laughs) (laughs) he seemed like a good dude and it's just good to hear that he's on the road to recovery because heart attacks are as we all know incredibly serious you know just takes one to it can kill you but he, he's going to be okay, and that's the most important thing. 
um yeah uh, just get well mate uh, look after yourself um whether people like it or not you are a legend of the business and you provided a lot of people with a lot of smiles and that's all that matters at the end of the day wrestling should make people smile um not all the time but a lot of the time and you certainly did that uh did you see kevin sullivan talking about the um the ending days of wcw uh so obviously kevin sullivan he's just <laughs> i mean he's one of the most maligned names isn't he in the business for many reasons um whether you believe it or not uh but he was also one of the bookies in WCW during the 90s. And he's actually one of the people who cops the most abuse for the reason that WCW kind of went out of business. Um, he had some statements, which I thought were quite interesting, actually. He was on a VOC Nation, um, whatever that is. Don't know, but apparently quite good. <laughs> well, it must be all right if it's got Kevin Sullivan on it. And by the way, Kevin Sullivan, you're more than welcome on the WrestlePod. Uh, they went to comedy. Funny doesn't earn money. This is in reference to WCW and one of the big reasons they went under. He said, funny doesn't earn money. It's that simple. I'm a boxing fan. Do you go to see a fight that's just going to be a joke? Well, I mean, Mike Tyson is facing Roy Jones Jr. this weekend. No idea. Oh, Jesus why. Christ. And I'm going to cover it as well because it just sounds like a car crash waiting to happen. Um, no. Then they tried to bury Ric Flair in a desert. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to get rid of Ric Flair since 1989, said Sullivan. They don't know where to drive the stake. He's the greatest champion of all time, and they try to get rid of him. That's how silly these people are. Egos. Uh, Eric Bischoff was also involved in the booking process, a lot of people know. Uh, Sullivan, in reference to Eric Bischoff, said, Eric did an amazing, amazing job, but he had to go out to the North Tower. Um... If someone wanted to say foreign object, he had to listen to them, change the name to international object. It was wasting his days. He could have been using his time better. They succeeded in spite of themselves, and they succeeded because of Eric Bischoff, stated Sullivan. And Eric was a smart enough guy to listen to guys that were very smart. And in the end, they made a huge mistake, and they went to comedy, and comedy doesn't, doesn't excuse me, draw money uh what do you think about kevin sullivan saying uh, funny don't make no money in wrestling i mean i can kind of understand it because people want like you know big serious feuds and big money matches and stuff but i don't think that's completely true because i think some of the most fun times i've had watching wrestling are because of funny things the highest rated segment on raw is a funny thing so, you know, I believe it's still This Is Your Life with The Rock and uh, Mick Foley. That's funny. That's still the highest rated segment. Um, you know, like brought up Santino earlier, like the stuff with Kozlov. Fucking hilarious. I don't think being funny in the main event is the best place to be. But I think having humor on the card still gets people to watch, to laugh. And especially right now with the world the way it is, you need that. So it, it definitely has a place the top of the card just isn't that place. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, Kevin Sullivan's talking about the end of WCW. And for the most part, it was comedy, wasn't it? There was so yeah. much comedy. It was ridiculous. Um, but I tell you what, this is something that I think people in AEW should be listening to. And one of the reasons that I've said this before, right? Because, you know, I've seen AEW fans using this as an argument saying, oh, you find you know, Bray Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse funny. Oh, you find Impact Wrestling with Who Shot Johnny Bravo funny. There's a difference. They place their comedy where it should be. 
especially in WWE, the 24-7 stuff, right, is hilarious. doesn't interfere with all the serious stuff. doesn't interfere with the main storylines. Every now and then they do dumb shit, like Randy Orton with Night Vision goals. What the hell are you doing? Like, you know, that's just, it is what it is. And those ideas absolutely are maligned everywhere, including this podcast. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with him to a certain extent. Funny will make you a little bit of money, okay? But this isn't stand-up as well. If I want comedy, I'm going to go and watch Kevin Hart. If I want something that's going to make me laugh, I'm going to watch one of my favorite animations, for instance. I might watch a rerun of Futurama. I might watch Bojack Horseman, which actually makes me cry just as much as it does make me laugh. And I highly recommend that because that is incredible. Seems we've made quite a lot of references to TV on this, um, which says a lot, actually, about the state of wrestling itself, that it has kind of gone towards a TV format more so than a sports format. That's okay. Um, Not for me personally. I prefer the sports format, but, you know, it is what it is. I agree, but at the same time, obviously, you know, he's going to have a very jaded outlook towards it because of how WCW went under. It's all about managing things, isn't it? It's about having that moderation, you know? Okay, you've got Orange Cassidy having a bit of a laugh. That's fine, so I don't need to see comedy elsewhere. So when they start blasting you at all angles and they got Jericho and MJF doing this and John Silver off his tits on coke over here and... You know, Eddie Kingston doing something over here, which is normally excellent, but every now and then the comedy, you know, it's got to be a right balance. And he is kind of right, although boxing has become a bit of a joke as well. I mean, come on, mate, like Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, the whole thing was a circus. <laughs> you know, so it's it's difficult because I don't think being completely serious works in this current format, but the proof is kind of in the pudding, isn't it? Now more than ever, we have comedy and wrestling. We have people that make us smile. We have people that make us laugh. And we have seen with the more comedy that's interjected over the time and the more that indie wrestlers can get away with being a bit more carny and a bit more comedic with gimmicks like Orange Cassidy coming to light. And I don't hate Orange Cassidy. I just think he belongs in a certain place in the card and that he's not in the upper to you know high end of the card itself. Um, there's no question that with the growth of comedy and wrestling, there's also been a massive decline in numbers of people who watch the product. And ultimately, if you look back at when wrestling was truly popular, it still had funny stuff. It's always had dumb stuff that'll make you smile. But you always had the high-level, top-quality marquee stuff. Look at the Attitude Era, right? There's some funny stuff in there. How about the Godwins? By the way, aren't they looking fucking fantastic? (laughs) I can't get over how good and how healthy they look, which I'm really happy about. But remember Naked Midian and stuff like that. (laughs) But you also had Austin versus The Rock and The Undertaker trying to quite literally sacrifice people at the altar of virginity. (laughs) Like, you know, you had stuff that was... Even the darker stuff that was funny was still dark enough that it stopped you from just pissing your pants outright laughing and also it's a different time for people people all know the curtain's been pulled back you know the jig is up so to speak everybody knows what's going on that's why someone like kevin owens is so good because he can still make you laugh but you know on a coin he can turn and he can fuck you up and that's what's so cool about someone like kevin owens and yet another reason why everyone should have watched nxt this week because he was guest commentator and did a special interview segment with leon ruff where he got the kid over much more than even he deserved to be over so yeah it's just about balance really um i do have a couple more articles here they're about china would you like to get into them they're a bit they're quite deep i mean she deserves to be talked about a little more. So I think we should definitely, definitely do this. Yeah. 
Um, so Wrestling Inc. Daily is actually doing a documenting China interview series at the moment, and I highly recommend people check it out. And this was someone I really wanted to get into because Wrestling Inc.'s uh, managing editor, Nick Hausman, um, continued his conversation with former manager of China, Anthony Anzaldo. Uh, during a conversation with Anzaldo this week, and this is really worth checking out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he described going into China's apartment and finding her dead, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 uh, so I apologize, anyone. There are trigger warnings here. And if this isn't something you want to listen to, please fast forward, you know, five minutes or whatever, or maybe cut the podcast here because we don't have much else left to talk about. Maybe possibly should have opened for that. And obviously, I apologize if that offends anyone. Um, we have nothing but love and respect for China, especially myself. She was a big deal to me as a kid and still is now, you know, passing. Uh, so Anzaldo quoted as saying, I'm trying to give you a visual of what the apartment looks like. If you continue to walk straight, you'll walk into the living room <clears throat> and the view of the ocean, Anzaldo described. Walk straight and then take a left and you are right away in the bathroom. Walk straight a little further and to your left is the kitchen. And then if you walk straight, it's the living room and the view. But if you want to go to a bedroom, you've got to take a U-turn as you walk in. And then there's this little hallway and straight ahead. It's a bedroom. It's a one-bedroom apartment. I take the U-turn and we walk towards the bedroom and I see her laying in bed. Now here's the view. She's laying on her side and her arm is over her head. It would be her left arm. And so I could see the top of her head and the top of her hair and her arm kind of hanging over. I can see her body under the covers. And then there's a pillow that's obstructing her face. You cannot see her face. So I start walking. I'm like, oh, my God, China. Whew, excuse me. Um, sweetie, China, as I walk over asking questions. And I start kind of pushing on her foot. I haven't seen her face yet because I don't want to see her face. I don't want to be there. Um, obviously, kept asking, uh, calling out her name. And then I walk around the bed. And you can see me looking down on her and I say, oh, my God, she's dead. And I turn around and start walking towards Pete. Uh, we've got to call 911 and the footage ends. <clears throat> Just horrific. Um, Anzaldo also described what he did once he realized China was dead. He said after the police confirmed that China had passed, he broke down. And he said the landlord was not happy with him going to China's apartment without permission. Um, plenty of things discussed there. Uh, they were not comforting in this situation. The first thing I do is I look around and I just take a look. Anzaldo said, there's two bottles of pills near her. No alcohol bottles. No pills spilled all over the place that was reported. Two bottles, both with their caps on them. One is Xanax or her daytime high anxiety medication and the others are Ambien and that's what it was. So as we are walking out, the police are walking in because she had called for the wellness check. And I said, hey, guys, I just walked in and I think she's dead. They walk in. They're in there for a minute, two minutes, five minutes. Come back out. I said, what's the verdict? They go, she's gone. Man, I just broke down. Uh, I just lost it. By this time, Nancy and her husband, the manager of the building, are also standing there and they're giving me the evil eye. They're pissed. They're fucking pissed. How dare you put someone like this in our place? They were not happy, and I really resented them for that. They weren't comforting. They were adding to it. And Zaldo acknowledges that it is, it is the correct procedure for him and his friend Pete to be questioned by police. He said his only complaint was the news of China's passing, making it through to TMZ. However, he noted that a formal announcement was made before it made worldwide news. A detective comes up to me and goes, we got to talk. They took my buddy Pete downstairs because they're going to start talking to him because maybe we killed her, and Zaldo stated. She's dead. We found her. 
well, right off the bat, you got to talk to those people. I wouldn't say we were suspects because there's no sign that there was any foul play, but they got to go through the whole fucking rigmarole more so than if they had done a wellness check and just found her. But because we found her, that adds a whole new dynamic to this case. So for three hours, they questioned both of us. Now there was a situation where I got upset and maybe that's what Jan China's mother is talking about. I'm going to tell you what that situation was. The detective and I said, do you know who that is? And he said, no. Uh, I said, she's a celebrity. And when the word gets out that she's gone, it's going to be worldwide news, big time. I need you to keep this under your hat right now. People just don't tell anybody that it's China. And then the guy goes, I knew it was China. I go, until we make an announcement, I swear to God, two minutes later, the next Nord neighbor gets off the elevator and her doors were literally right next to each other. He's like, hey, what's going on? And the detective goes, oh, we found your neighbor's dead. Your neighbor dead just blurted it out basically and like dude what are you doing that guy called tmz so china's neighbor essentially called tmz which is fuck off Um, yeah yeah that's disgusting uh thank god it took them a while but when they wrapped her up put her on the gurney and took her out in a car tmz was there to get that footage Unfortunately, it was after I was able to make the announcement. And Zelda said he tried to contact China's family, eventually making contact with a half-brother to break the news of her passing. He also said he made contact with Stone Cold Steve Austin because Austin had been interested in trying to reunite Triple H and China on his podcast. Um, so I gave him shit. And the one guy said, hey, man, you better be careful. you got a warrant out for your arrest. I'll take it in right now. And Zoldo recorded. I said, warrant for my arrest? For what? What have I done? I thought he was lying to me. So I didn't take very kindly to that either, but there was. Anyway, they finally let us go and we come home. And I tried to call her mum and I couldn't get her. I tried to call her sister, no luck. I tried to call her brother, no luck. Uh, she had a half-brother in Miami. And when we went to Florida, she didn't want to see him and he didn't want to see her, but I had his number. So I called him and he answered and I said, hey, man, I'm the guy that they talked to. I'm the guy that talked to you before. Remember, we were going to come down and try to figure things out. Well, I have some really, really fucking bad news. I found China dead a couple of hours ago. He goes, um, ultimately, it goes on a lot. I'm not going to continue it because it is just, it's quite unsettling, to be honest. And it's also something that I just felt that it was worth mentioning. Um, Not because I take any joy, obviously, in discussing this. China was actually very important to me as a kid because I didn't grow up with any male figures. And I was always led to believe that women were as strong as men. And I was very lucky in that respect. And despite, you know, horrendous upbringing myself um, and only having a mother. So, you know... Uh, for me, it's more about the respect and the decency and the kind of world we're living in. <clears throat> and I'm not going to beg people to change because they're not. They're just simply not. Call me jaded. But reading that article and seeing like the, you know, Anzaldo seemed like a legitimately good manager, someone who cared about China. And, you know, her family, obviously, there's a, I believe there's a documentary that's coming out. Um, which should be, frankly, quite harrowing and also probably quite divisive if it's anything like Dark Side of the Ring. Um, Yeah, I just... I'm just disgusted, frankly. Uh, TMZ, we all know, are scum at the highest rate. You know, you wouldn't put anything past them. They're like the sun over here. They're just disgusting whoremongers. Um, I just think that, you know, like... It's just astonishing that we got to this point in the world where the neighbour was more concerned about making sure that the press knew so that he could get some sort of brownie points than he was about checking in on someone. Because I have no doubt that China would have been, you know, she had a lot of difficulties, particularly as it came to the end. Um, you know, you can watch her on kayfabe commentaries on YouTube. 
and see the kind of state that she was depreciating into, so to speak, at that point. But she still had a lot of life and a lot of fun and could make people laugh and smile. She was such a lovely human being. It was, frankly, dicked over by a horrible business. And the fact that with all these new details coming out, knowing that the end of her life kind of fell this way is just very disappointing. Um, so I would implore people to just try and remember her the right way and also try not to give things like TMZ and The Sun and all these fucking disgusting wannabe journalists who are there for shock value more than anything else not to report genuine news. Try not to give them any power, please. Do not give them your subscriptions. Do not give them your time, your money. Get this celebrity culture out of your dumb brains. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the people involved. And sure as hell isn't healthy for anyone who was close to China when she passed. Um, and it would be interesting to see what kind of outcry we would get if this had been the case for someone like Eddie Guerrero, who, of course, is so beloved. And we all love China, but for some reason, we're all happy to just kind of ignore all of the disgraceful behavior that's come after that from news outlets, journalists, and predominantly people like TMZ. I mean, I think you have to be a special sort of sociopath to work at TMZ because you just like invasion of privacy all the time. Like I, I understand that they're classified as air quotes members of the press, but these people will just like corner you with fucking camera phones or some shit. Like they'll just come at you and you're like, I don't like what, what can people do? Like they have to keep their public persona up because that as a celebrity, as someone in the public eye, you can't just clock someone as much as you might want to within reason of course you know if you keep getting prod you're like hey back off they're like hey what do you think of this hey hey what do you think hey can i get you on camera hey eventually yeah i'm gonna punch someone in the head but these are the lowest of the low the worst type of people and to have her neighbor just make sure they need to know before going oh wait like what happened is she okay that just makes me hate people even more like somebody died and he's like man i gotta tell them tv people it's despicable man De deplorable any sort of other d word i could think of it's it's awful shameful yeah. really yeah a lot of it comes from the fallout of obviously uh china had quite a contentious uh relationship with her mother which is another reason why i've always had quite a, a sort of you know a kindred spirit to at least her character i didn't know her personally um and you know it, 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 it I, I could sit here for hours and read off all the excerpts for you that's not what you want um it's just disappointing and you know she she made some mistakes in her life and she got into porn and things like that and for some reason she's maligned for that and i've never really forgiven triple h for his comments about how you know she shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame initially because he didn't want his children searching her name and finding out that she did porn. No, you didn't want your children searching her name and finding out that you had a relationship with her. That's what you fucking didn't want. Okay? Like, that's just that's just poor. And you deserved... She deserved a lot better by you and everyone else around you and everyone else who was a part of that DX movement and people around that. They shouldn't have fucking buried that. They should have all had the decency to come out and say, do you know what, Triple H? Shut the fuck up. Swallow your pride. Let's give China the proper send-off that she deserves. She should have been in the Hall of Fame years before anyway. This is the problem with this petty nature. And also, ultimately, you're talking about a Hall of Fame that is kind of, you know, it's, it's for a predetermined sport, so to speak. So it's difficult. Um, 
But yeah, my overriding thought is just think about what you say to people. And the reason I bring it up is because, you know, Caroline Flack passed away a few months ago. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Caroline Flack. Um, she was a celebrity uh, female. So very similar to Renee Young in a lot of ways. Very popular over here. Not necessarily as a journalist. She was more of a television presenter. Very beautiful young woman. Um, she... Rather, unfortunately, when she was older, a little bit older, dated Harry Styles for a little bit from One Direction, which, of course, led to a lot of grief. But ultimately, um, she got into an altercation with her boyfriend. There was a suggestion of domestic abuse, which, you know, he's denied. And it's just kind of all gone, you know, and she was due in court. And ultimately, because of the way she was hounded by the press, she took her own life. Um, And she was very famous and she was in the public eye a lot over here. And we haven't learned anything. That was where the be kind movement that you might have seen came from. People were talking about, you know, be kind, you know, be respectful. Um, And people haven't. They haven't learned. And we say a lot on the podcast, right? And sometimes I'm quite offensive, so to speak. But I genuinely would never, ever go out of my way to harm anybody. And I sure as hell wouldn't target my vitriol at anybody who I didn't think either A, could take it, or B, was already aware of my feelings towards them. I'm one of those people. I'm happy to ring you up and tell you you're a cunt to your face. I'm happy to go up to you and say you're a cunt. You know, I'm not one of these people who's going to hide away from that. And then if I say it on a podcast or whatever, or I dislike you, anything I say, I'm happy to back up to your face. I have no problem with that. And that's ultimately what this comes down to. Being a fucking... It's not about being kind. It's about being a human being. This is a human being. This is a human being that entertained a lot of us and was arguably one of the greatest women's athletes of her generation. People talk about Serena Williams and Ronda Rousey, and rightfully so, and I love those women. China was doing that well before them. In a time when actually it was much more difficult to break down walls. And you know what? I'm not asking the world of people... (laughs) You know, I never ask anything of anybody. You know, everyone knows I'm quite an angry bastard at the best of times, but I also have a fucking heart and I care about how people's lives end up. You know, I personally really liked Caroline Flack. I was a big fan of hers and, you know, my little sisters always wind me up because I used to fancy her something rotten. You know, rightfully so, she was hot as hell. Um, But I liked her as a personality. And the fact that people that you admire or enjoy, even if you don't know them personally, pass away because of the strain and the stress of the way people treat them is unacceptable. There's a difference between life being difficult and life being made so difficult for you that you feel that the only option is to take your own life. There are options out there for people, by the way. There are services that can help you if you're affected by anything that we're discussing. There are multiple numbers. There are charities that you can speak to, particularly in the UK. There's Mind, there's Scope, there's a lot of mental health charities. Suicide's a big thing. You know, people laugh and make jokes about the Samaritans all the time, but they are available and they will talk to you freely on a free phone number and they're available 24-7. And the people, I know some people who have actually worked for that company and do a great job looking after people or at least trying to brighten up their day and make it a little bit easier for them. So ultimately practice what you fucking preach okay um don't put a fucking hashtag on your instagram and think that's my job done because it fucking isn't okay things like oh i put black lives matter on my twitter that's great but that doesn't stop black people dying you know putting be kind on your twitter doesn't stop people being scum on the internet you have an opportunity to do better and if literally your only aspect i can handle it i can handle the abuse i get i get deference I do. I, I've got death threats from this podcast. Uh, Kyle will know from personal conversations of, you know, at, <laughs> ludicrous accusations levied at me just because of the position I'm in. But anyone who knows me personally knows the only people I would hurt are people who directly try and hurt me in the first place. No one else. Um, do fuck big, it better. You're a big old teddy bear, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give anyone a hug if they want it. Um, 
And then I'll give them a pile driver nut. <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> I just want people to fucking think the world is more than just a fucking hashtag, okay? That's pretty much all I have uh, as far as it goes. Anything to add, mate, before we wrap it up? No, I think that about thumbs it up. I mean, you know, just you, I, I've said it about wrestling, two wrestling companies. Now I'm going to say it about people, two people. Just be better. We need to rally together right now. Sure, there's a potential vaccine coming out for COVID, but it's not going to be for like another four, six months. We're still going to have to deal with this and yeah. we need to do it together. And the fallout from what comes from after the vaccine because it won't work for everybody. It's a process. It takes time. Too much time. So let's just, you know, let's have a laugh, you know, watch our videos, have fun. You can tell us we suck. That's fine. We'll yeah. probably just go low, hit, hit you with a big old lull and keep going because we're here to entertain. And what's more entertaining than us shitting on people that try shit on us? Pretty much, pretty much. And if you want to leave horrible comments, leave them below and I'll just read, I'll do a video where I read them out and have fun with them because I don't care. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. You're not going to do anything to me because you know that if you met me face to face, you wouldn't have the nuts to say that. And you sure as hell wouldn't say it to my boy Carl. So that's fine. But you know what? Try and think about what you're writing on the internet. And also, even if you're a good person, the hashtag is great. But practice that as well. Don't just put it on your fucking Instagram and then leave it. That's not, that's not enough. A hashtag is not enough, and the social media aspect of things, it's not the real world. Stop treating it like the real world, because it's not. It's not where the court of law is based, and it sure as hell is not where you live your lives. There is a big world outside. Go and see it. <clears throat> um, from myself, Aaron X, from Kagal Wilkinson, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it for the most part and been entertained. We are going to continue with this format every week. The State of Wrestling Address will be about the news. If you want to hear what we think about wrestling products, unless it's a major product, it will be available on the YouTube channel. You can put it on in the background. If it's a big struggle for you guys or you do want audio versions of our thoughts on Raw, etc., ultimately, you've got to contact us. Let us know. We've got social media. You can see it on the screen at WrestlePlug across all social medias. We've got an email. We've got a website. All that jazz. Um, but ultimately, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you very soon for more content from the WrestlePlug.